Hello everyone and welcome to the B2B Marketing Podcast. My name is David Rowlands, I'm the Senior Editor at B2B Marketing and I'm joined today by Susanna Kemper who wears many hats, one of which is the Chair of B2B Marketing. Um, so Susanna, thank you very much for joining me today. Everyone at B2B Marketing is of course very familiar with you given that you're our Chair, um, but for our listeners sake, what is your background and your role when it comes to all things B2B? Thanks, David. Thanks so much for inviting me to join you on the podcast today. I'm absolutely delighted to be here. My first proper job after university was as a B2B marketer. I joined IAR, the conference and training company, which was founded by Urban Laidlaw and grew to become the largest in the world as a marketing exec. Fast forward 17 years to when we sold the business to Informa. I was at CMO. After I joined Informa, I became CMO of that and then was part of the leadership team that grew its business intelligence portfolio, which they've just divested the pharma part of for a cool 1.9 billion. After that, I became Chief Marketing Strategy Officer at EMAP, now known as Essential. And from there, I moved into partner and CEO roles, but always for businesses where marketing was a core revenue driver. And until my current role as CEO of the Laidlaw Foundation, it was always B2B. Okay, fantastic. So today is, of course, International Women's Day. Um, and so that's what I'd like to discuss with you. Um, so the theme of this year's International Women's Day is break the bias. Um, you know, I think we can all agree that's a very noble goal. But let's start at the very beginning. So what does, what does bias look like in the first place? Is it as blatant as it always was, perhaps 30 years ago? Or has it become a bit more subtle and insidious, would you say? I'm not sure that I would agree on noble, per se. That suggests that there's something rather righteous or, or particularly honourable about equity. In fact, for any business leader, the reason why breaking the bias is so crucial is because every single data point demonstrates that having more women in senior roles makes you more profitable. So a simple ranking of Fortune 500 companies by the number of women on their boards found those in the top quartile had a 42% greater return on sales. And a study that Bain published showed that for every dollar invested in a woman-led business, investors returned a $78 return compared to just $36 for businesses led by men. So, of course, yes, it's also the decent thing. But when we categorize it as noble, it sounds as if it's vaguely self-sacrificing, as if we're having to be charitable to the poor little woman or, or, or indeed any underrepresented group, when in fact it's economically, societally, spectacularly daft not to treat everyone equally. So it's fundamentally about enlightened self-interest. To answer your question though, in its simplest form, bias, conscious or unconscious, happens when women don't have an equal opportunity or equal reward. The spectrum of that bias has always run from subtle to shamelessly blatant. The great thing is we're now aware of that, we're talking about it, and at least beginning to act to break it. Okay, fantastic. So thank you for um, for correcting me, I suppose, on that, because it's not something I'd actually really considered, but you're obviously very right. Um, and, you know, writing for the Laidlaw Foundation, you recently outlined 10 steps that businesses can make to help break the glass ceiling. 
Um, and one of these steps you outlined is the importance of role models. So what do you think a good role model looks like and why do you think they're so important? Yeah, I wrote those 10 steps a couple years ago because a great friend of mine who's a C-suite leader told me that the group CEO of a very large, very high profile organization had finally decided to address the gender equality gap that they had. And he'd convened a working group for it. There were 16 people on that committee, my friend and one other were the only women. So I wasn't quite sure whether to laugh or cry. And in the end, I thought, I'll do neither. I'll just write a checklist for people to follow because actually it's not rocket science, right? We can absolutely fix this. The reason why I thought role models needed to be one of those 10 steps and why they're so important it's because people have to see themselves in positions of power to know that they can too have a seat at the table. So when I started work, my manager, her manager, the European MD were all women. So it absolutely didn't occur to me that I couldn't reach senior levels within the organization because all around me, I saw these highly successful women leaders. It was only much later when I moved companies that I realized actually that wasn't the norm. And I understood what so many of my friends were saying they were suffering in their organizations. So I used to think that the most important thing for a role model to do was to ensure that she was pulling other women up behind her. But I listened to a brilliant future CEO actually speaking at the LBS Equal Conference last week, Naveen Kier. I think she's going to change the world. She's dynamite. And she challenged her fellow MBA alumni to look sideways and up too, which I thought was such a good point. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. And, you know, perhaps just as importantly, is being a role model solely down to the individuals taking the initiative, would you say? Or can businesses actually support this? And if so, how? Businesses can, should, must. The fewer women in leadership roles they have, the more actually they need to make sure that those who are are super visible. They need to encourage them to speak at events, for instance, both internally and externally. And that's especially true for those in the real profit-generating, P&L-owning roles. And that's not intending to be disparaging to HR. But a female CHRO is far less useful as a role model than a CMO or a divisional director or even a finance director who's one tier below C-suite, but who's a woman, so that we can make it clear to women that they have as equal a right to that CEO chair as a man. So people need to see women in roles that lead to that seat. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, for everyone listening, um, if you're looking for role models in the world of B2B, our upcoming MarTech Opia event has some brilliant individuals speaking, um, ranging from Laura Sloan, who is head of digital marketing at PwC, um, all the way to Ruth Oakley, who's global head of digital marketing, center of excellence at Atos, and even Dr. Christine Bailey, who's CMO of Passport and, um, and frequent podcast guest as well. Um, so MarTech Opia, for, uh, for context, is our tech-focused event. And it's taking place on the 23rd of March, physically in London and virtually online. Um, basically, it's there to help you refine your MarTech strategy and optimize your platform deployment in a one-day deep dive on MarTech. So if you want to hear more from those speakers and, you know, and many more as well, 
Um, just follow the link in the description to the Martech Opia website where you can find out more. So, Susanna, back to the um, back to the podcast itself. Um, you've mentioned that businesses should have gender parity across the entire organisations, and that all voices must be heard equally. So, how can businesses actually go about ensuring all voices are heard on a practical level? One of the upsides of the pandemic is that we all learned how to mute ourselves and to raise our hands, whether it's speaking on Zoom, Teams, Google Meet, name your platform of choice. And it really isn't that complicated, right? We just need to carry over that ability to make sure everyone has their turn to speak into the real in-person world. And that's where allyship comes in too. If we notice that someone is being ignored or talked over, we need to invite them into the conversation. Or in terms of stereotyping, which is another thing that we can act on, if we notice that the woman is always being asked to organize the coffee or the lunch for the meeting, we can point that out. Or if the most interesting client work or stretching opportunities are always being offered to the more junior men, we can do something about that so that everybody has equal opportunities to demonstrate their brilliance and and really grow in their roles. So we can all make a difference. Okay, fantastic. And another strategy you mentioned is to recruit blind, as you put it. So in other words, you know, removing names and, and any other identifying features off CVs. Um, so is this something that you've seen made a real tangible impact on businesses? Are there any stats you can share, for instance? You know, we had a dinner the other night for our late law scholars before the big London Business School Equal Conference. And one of the women told of being in a meeting with a hiring manager who was going through the CVs for an open role they had. And he came to a CV of someone's name that he couldn't pronounce and said, I've no idea how to say this, and picked up the CV and dropped it into the do not hire pile. So, yeah, I think recruiting blind is important. Perhaps the most often cited example is one from when orchestras began to audition candidates behind screens. And it turned out that it made a 50% difference in women being more likely to advance into the final audition and a several fold impact in the number of women hired. Okay, well, that's really um, interesting to hear. And it's, it's worth noting at this point that um, Propolis, which is our community for B2B marketers to share insights and problems and get real-time advice from industry experts and access our best content, has an entire hive or, or group, which is dedicated entirely to teams, resourcing and um, diversity and inclusion. So if you want to hear any more insight or advice on this sort of topic, feel free to check out Propolis just by following the link in the description. Um, so our audience is, of course, B2B marketers, no surprises there. Um, so with that in mind, is there anything that marketers in particular can do to help promote gender equality in the workplace? For instance, is there something they can do internally or does it need to extend into the work they do externally as well? Internally, they can make sure they're part of the solution, right? That they're not inadvertently being biased or enabling bias. They, they can reach out and they can be honest about what they don't understand and ask questions because we know that changing decades of cultural norms is not easy. Just look at the Metropolitan Police. Right? So we need to think and act intentionally in order to make that change and not be complacent about it. 
Externally, yes, of course it does. As marketers, we are experts at framing narratives and persuading people to think and act in certain ways. The language, the imagery, the stories we use all have power for good or ill. And we as marketers, we need to own that. Here's a really simple live example. So you're promoting the must-attend event for a sector. You're designing the homepage of the website where you're going to have pictures of your keynote speakers. Your event is amazing. So you have literally over 100 speakers to choose from. You choose what are the first four images that people will see. The World Retail Congress, which is the the must-attend event of the global retail sector, and it's genuinely a brilliant event. I checked their site today. Four middle-aged white men. They have equally senior, equally noteworthy, and compelling women and people of color that they could have chosen, but they didn't. So yeah, marketers absolutely should extend their thinking around equity and equality to everything they do internally and externally. Okay, fantastic. And in the spirit of um, International Women's Day, um, we at B2B Marketing recently asked a number of senior marketers to reflect on the question of gender equality in the workplace and what marketing can actually do to challenge this. So um, if you want to hear what these people think, just follow the link in the description. Um, and there's a, a lovely feature um, with all of their, their fantastic responses. So gender equality is obviously important wherever you are. I think, you know, that's obviously fair to say. Um, but is there an argument that not everyone needs to have a staunch opinion or voice in the topic? So, for instance, a CRM vendor might pitch in on the debate. Um, sorry, should a CRM vendor pitch on a debate if they're not really doing anything about it? You know, what are your thoughts about this? There is perhaps an interesting discussion to be had between equity and equality in gender, and, and indeed in every other type of diversity rights. Overall, though, I find it quite hard to imagine someone voicing an opinion with, which says, actually, we think it's just fine to be biased and only hire people who look and behave just like ourselves, or in the UK, that it's absolutely fine to continue to pay women 87p for every pound that a man earns, or that we think it's fine that according to the World Economic Forum, it would take 267.6 years to close the economic gender gap. There's something about that specificity of the 0.6 at the end that makes me want to pull my hair out, as if 267 years isn't really quite long enough on its own. So then it's a question of, should our mythical CRM vendor support days like International Women's Day and flood their social media with, this year, the break the bias hashtags and pictures? And the answer there, I think, is it depends. They have to be able to do so authentically. If I'm choosing between two businesses whose products and pricing are equally good, both match my needs, then I will absolutely choose the one who has a diverse senior team, whose values align to my own, and who can demonstrate to me that they understand what their customers and ours look like and care about. So yes, 
if you can speak out authentically, then you absolutely should. But if you can't, then get your house in order first and then raise your voice. Yeah, sage advice indeed, I think. Um, One thing I'd like to talk about as well is actually the impact of COVID-19, because it's something... It's been inescapable the last couple of years, of course, um, and we've seen its impact from everything from use of MarTech to events and so on. But what impact has it had on gender equality in the workplace, would you say? I had really hoped that it would have had a positive effect. Things like presenteeism would finally be exposed, right? Because we've worked out you don't actually have to be in an office environment being supervised in order to do a great job. It doesn't matter how long you're there, as long as the work that you produce is amazing. I also hoped, as we were talking earlier, that the etiquette of Zoom or Teams or whatever, where you have muted microphones, would stop people from talking over or stealing the limelight from quieter and maybe more collaborative people. I'd also assume that because we've all become used to making our own coffee, that task stereotyping would be a thing of the past. And yet, COVID has made things worse. So since the pandemic, nearly 1.8 million women in the US have left the workforce. In the UK, women have been one and a half more times likely to lose their jobs or resign than men. And the pay gap has increased. So overall, we haven't quite reaped the benefits of our learnings and we are still being impacted by the negativity. Mm, yeah. And, and this kind of leads quite nicely into my next question, which is, um, you know, you recently mentioned that at International Women's Day a couple of years ago, that you were asked that you were asked what you hoped the world of business would look like in 10 years. And you replied that, you know, we wouldn't be sitting on stages talking about women in business. Um, sadly, here we are today doing exactly the same thing. But do you think we're any closer to that goal or are we still absolutely at square one? Oh, we're definitely closer. When I was president of a training company in in the US many years ago, I just turned 30, a new regional director had an offsite meeting of all the presidents of the businesses reporting to him. And at the end of the meeting, he asked me to stay behind. I was the only woman. He told me that if I went back to his room with him, he would make sure that my career flourished. At the international managers meeting that happened a few months later, after I was not named manager of the year and didn't win the beautifully expensive car, which was the reward, he walked past my table, bent down and whispered in my ear, that could have been you. I genuinely don't think that would happen today. And I also hope that if it did, a young woman today would have known exactly how to handle the situation and not been as scared and as sick as I felt when I told him that wasn't going to happen. We're so much more aware of sexual harassment, of bias and bullying and, and ignorance. And we are totally making progress. When the New York Times published an article in 2015 showing that there were more large companies run by men called Steve than women, the scale and the absurdity of the gender inequity 
started to become clear to people. We now have 8% of CEOs of FTSE 100 and Fortune 500 businesses run by women. So we're doing better. It's not enough, which is why we're calling on all companies to commit to acting, not just talking. But we are definitely moving forward. Well, thank you for sharing that. And you know, sorry that that's, that was the state of things um, not too long ago. And I'm glad to hear that things are at least moving in the right direction. Um, I think that's about all we've got time for today. So thank you very much for joining me. Um, to our audience as well, if you want to find out any more about Martech Opia, our tech event, um, just follow the link in the description. Um, and there you can also find more information about Propolis, our B2B community, and of course, just International Women's Day itself. So that's all from me, Susanna. Thank you very much. And we'll see you again soon. Bye-bye. Pleasure. Thank you. Bye.